0: The 2013 MLS season has come to an end with the New York Red Bulls making history. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always, with me is Ivis Galarcep. What's up, buddy?
1: Uh, nothing much, Garrett. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy weekend on the MLS front and it uh, yep. took us a while to get back and, and get our show. Uh, we had, there, there was so much stuff going on Sunday and Monday. Just couldn't get it together, but we are back and we have a lot to talk about.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, You and I were quite busy this weekend, so so apologies to everyone listening. We didn't have a show on Sunday night, but as I just said... We are back. Ivis Right, tons to talk about. Uh, for people who, who are familiar with under format, this is the midweek show, so we will have an SBI Q&A at the end of the show, and this show will also serve as the MLS preview, as you can see in the title for the playoff games. Looking back, though, at the games over the weekend, you were at the New York Red Bulls game. You had a chance to witness the history, Ivis. Uh, you talk about just a phenomenal effort by the Red Bulls to come back after Mike McGee scores that opening goal. Then you see guys like Eric Alexander, Johnny Steele, Lloyd, Sam—guys who've had big years for the Red Bulls this year—they all get goals. Lou Yandola has a huge game for the Red Bulls, and I mean, I was, they didn't break—they didn't break the fans' hearts, and just a phenomenal effort by Mike Pecky, the organization, to win their first trophy, the Supporters Shield. And uh, I mean, you—you you had a chance to witness the history there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I've, I've covered the team since 1999, and uh, I've, I've you know had a front-row seat to. So many of their heartbreaking moments and so many of the just, just outright awful, gut-wrenching finishes that they've had. And uh, to see them actually not, you know, not blow it for once and to actually step up, it, it was it was impressive. And the way that game started with Mike McGee scoring the opening goal, I mean, it was kind of fitting. It, 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 it look, At that point, it looked like, uh-oh, it looks like we're in for another curse. Mm-hmm. Especially Dilly Duca, the former Red Bull Academy player. Hits the shot. It, it falls to McGee. He scores. And all of a sudden you're looking at it like this is looking a little familiar. But credit to the Red Bulls. Credit to Mike Pecky. Credit to Terry Henry, who, you know, he really got the ball rolling mm-hmm. with his insane uh, top corner equalizer that kind of s- tied the score, set the tone. And, and that's when you kind of knew, OK, maybe this one will be different.
0: Yeah, and the celebration afterwards was unbelievable to have Mike Pecky and then the uh, – I'm blanking on the guy's name. I believe it is the the athletic trainer. He raised the trophy. I mean, to have guys like, like that, that, you know, Pecky, been around the organization since the uh, – the athletic trainer since the inception. You know, Mike Pecky played for them, now managing – uh, but just, just what a moment for New York and, and Ivis, you know, when you look at the Eastern Conference, I think there's some teams that have more questions than answers. And I think this is a year for the New York Red Bulls and with the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks to make a serious run in the playoffs.
1: Well, I mean, let's, let's take it down a notch. They're really good. They're looking good. Uh, but I mean, it's still pretty much a two horse race in the East, uh, with Kansas City and the Red Bulls, and uh, obviously no one wants to—you can never write off the Houston Dynamo. We say it all the time; they're like the Jason Voorhees of MLS. Just when you think they're dead, they 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 come rising from the ashes and uh, and put a scare in everybody. So you can't quite write them off yet. But just looking at form over the course of the year, obviously the Red Bulls are are, are rolling right now, but sport, so is Sporting Kansas City. And uh, you know, I, I I was able to see them play. On Saturday in Philly, and, and they also turned in a performance mm-hmm. that that is worthy of a team that looks like they could also win a title.
0: Yeah, and and, we, and talk about that game real quickly. I mean, Jack McInerney gets a goal. You kind of have that, you know. Oh my gosh, is this really happening? Is is Philadelphia going to come back? But then Sporting Kansas City goes back and, and scores the game winning goal. Uh, Philadelphia. I mean, we talked about this before, Ibis. It would have been it would have been nice if they made the playoffs. But you know, you always thought throughout the entire year that they were kind of a team just right there just not good enough but like you said with Sporting Kansas City I, I, I still think though that Sporting Kansas City has a few questions on on their defense Ivis, I'm not totally sold on I thought they haven't had the best year but you're right though I mean second in the Eastern Conference and I mean it could be between them and New York
1: uh so you have a few questions about their defense yeah say, hey
0: same with Houston Dynamo too and it's funny because you mentioned that dead thing like I thought over the last two weeks, especially. I mean, we don't need to go into the Houston DC game too much because we'll preview Houston. But I thought Houston against DC, Houston's defense, kind of like Sporting Kansas City, has games where you're, I'm just not convinced on them. And this past weekend with Houston against DC, I mean DC. Let, let, let's bring it uh, back. Let's bring it back. Yeah, go back to Sporting oh, Kansas City. Now we're we're running a tangent here. You. Uh,
1: who? Let me ask you just a question. Yes. Who Who? What, what's the best defense in the league right now? Uh,
0: Statistically speaking. Uh, well, it's probably Kansas City, but if I had to choose, I would say New England. It's actually Kansas City. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, nice. It's actually not.
1: It's actually not close. Um, actually, so that's it's a, I, I, You know, I don't know what games you saw. I don't know what what you're worried about exactly. But Sporting Kansas City is the best defense in the league, and and the and their best defense in the league. Not it's not just about the back four. It's about the way they defend as a group. I mean, they're not only have have allowed the fewest goals in the league this year. Um, which three fewer than the next best, which is Portland. Uh, They also have allowed the shots on goal that they've allowed are ridiculous. I mean, uh, one stat I heard is that when Matt Booster's in the lineup, they allow an average of one shot on goal a game. One shot on goal a game. Their defense is not the problem. Trust me on that one. There's a concern about Sporting Kansas City. It's the attack. And who is going to be the go-to goal scorer on that team? That is their main question mark because defending is not an issue. They're going to defend as a team. They're going to not give a lot of space to opponents, not give many chances away. The question is who will be their go-to guy to put the ball in the net? They have a lot of of candidates, but they don't have a Robbie Keane, Marco DeVaio, Mm -hmm. Terry Henry, that guy that is money and you know you can expect him to put a goal in. So that... That's the question mark there. If anything,
0: I guess for me, when I look at Sporting Kansas City, the losses over the last two months. I mean, when you're losing to teams like uh, Philadelphia, Chicago Fire, San Jose, three teams was your last three losses, not making the playoffs. I guess maybe at times I saw the communication aspect on on Kansas City defense. You know, I, I thought Chance Myers a couple times was a little overexposed. I, I don't know. You well, know, they, maybe they, I'm they, maybe I'm nitpicking again. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett. They
1: had one loss in their last eight matches, and that loss was one zero.
0: I know. Don't, I know. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm nitpicking a little too much. But, you are, but, maybe just a little. I know. You know. You know me with defenses. I, I nitpick with defenses too much. Um, but as we said, Ivis spoiling Kansas City. Two to one, they finished second in the Eastern Conference. Moving over to the Western Conference, uh, game filled with controversy. No goal line technology. Omar Gonzalez gets a goal. Uh, it's not called for a goal, even though it was about you know foot over the line. Uh, but but silver linings for Seattle in this game was they're looking for something positive. They're looking for something to build off of Ivis, especially with with their play over the last couple weeks. You know, going on that four game losing streak, they needed something. Clint Dempsey gets a goal. I think that's a positive. Uh, but then it gets kind of wiped away a little. little little bit when Robbie Keane gets that wonder goal so big win for the Galaxy they don't have to do that knock in playoff round and for and for Seattle I mean they're gonna have to face Colorado and that's gonna be a difficult matchup
1: right you know it's it was the kind of game that you almost expected you know Seattle they're tough to beat at home uh, but the way they've been playing uh, it it was maybe a little ambitious to expect them to go in there and beat the Galaxy Um, you know say what you want about the goal that wasn't called it it was a fairly even game so I, I don't know if anyone's gonna uh, get too crazy about the final the final outcome of that match but um if you're Seattle uh, I agree Clint Dempsey getting on the board uh is big for them I mean I think he has shown he has shown flashes he's shown signs and I know there there seems to be this growing uh contingent of Dempsey haters all of a sudden um around uh, American soccer which is kind of crazy uh but the fact is the guy has still has quality He might not be as sharp as he's not he's not at his best, right? He's not at top form, but he still has quality and he's still a guy who we've seen through the years step up in the big moments. And now we're getting to the playoffs. We're getting to the crunch time. And and he's a guy who's shown he can do it when when the heat's on. And so I want to see Clint Dempsey in the playoffs doing what he does. And and I think he I think Seattle don't rule him out. I mean, I know they have to play that midweek game Mm -hmm. and that's going to put some more wear and tear on them. The thing with Seattle, they have the players, they have the squad. They're, they're except for Eddie Johnson, who's a big. It's a big if there. Uh, they're pretty healthy. So it's up to Siggy Schmidt to decide what he's going to do with his lineup, who he's going to leave out. Who is going to be his best eleven? And uh, if he gets it right, they they could turn it around and make a big run. And if he gets it wrong, they could be out on they could be out in the first round.
0: Yeah, what did you make of Seattle's lineup in this one? Having Dempsey more of as an attacking mid and as Alonzo as more of a holding mid. I, I mean, I I would kind of like to see Alonzo being more of a box to box. But I understand that having Dempsey up top. and what did you make out of that?
1: Well, you can't have it both ways, right? I mean, Alonzo can he give you? Can he go both ways? Can he give be the the two way midfielder? Yes, he can. But at the end of the day, when you have the high-level weapons, the attacking weapons that they have, you have to keep Alonzo back. He he can be the pit bull better than anyone, right? I mean, he can can sit in front of the defense, Mm -hmm. cover a ton of ground, and just be a pest and cover all the area that all the Seattle attackers are going to leave there. Uh, He can handle that. So, I I mean, for me, if the question is would you rather sacrifice Alonzo's offensive game to be able to plug Dempsey in, you do that. I, I think you have to do that. And then when and
0: you, a, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, yeah. Well, I was gonna, say, I was gonna bring over to to the galaxy. So finish your point on the Sounders. Sound no, sound. Nah, you, you lost. it. No. okay. Well, okay. Look at go, looking at the galaxy. We talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Also, you posted a thing on your website. You looked a closer look at the MVP race uh, with Mike McGee now out of the playoffs. A guy like Robbie Keane who now has 16 goals this season, 11 assists. Would he be your front runner for for MVP this season?
1: is he my mvp no I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say he's my mvp I, this is what i would say this year when he's been at his best he's probably played at arguably the highest level of any player in the league mm. right that is not the same as being the mvp being the guy who from game 1 to game 34 throughout the course of an entire season being the most like having just incredible value for your team in in a high number of games being the key kind of driving force. And Keane's in the conversation, no doubt about it. But is he a front-runner, runaway guy? I just don't see it. I mean, I, I think there are other guys who've had big years. When you talk about a guy like Mike McGee, the turnaround that Chicago had when he got there and the, the way L.A. played when he was in L.A. I mean, if you combine those two, I don't know if there was a player in the league who, who, mm-hmm. who had as much of an impact in terms of getting results for his teams as Mike McGee. Then you have Marco DeVaio, who put up the numbers that he did on, on a team that really didn't have much else consistent. Uh, much el- There wasn't much more consistency on the team than DeVaio. DeVaio was the one guy you could count on on that team to deliver on a regular basis. And the guy for me who I think he should get way more consideration than he's been getting is Tim Cahill. Just a guy who, you know, they the Red Bulls needed a goal scorer. They needed someone to be uh, not only a scoring threat, but to be just a presence in the middle he gave them so many things. He gave them the presence in midfield, the ability to score goals, scoring late important goals, and then being that locker room presence. I've said it a million times. When you factor in all those things, I mean, I just don't see how anyone was more valuable than him. And again, we always talk about this whole idea of how do you quantify value? It's way too tricky. It's just a lot easier to look at these look at numbers and say and look at attacking stats and say, "Okay, well, robbie Keane with the goals and the assists or or, mm-hmm. or even a or camillo or mark devai with just the goals but tim cahill is a guy that you know you can't just look at his goals and assists because and that because that just doesn't tell the whole story because i can guarantee you the guy he put in more defensive work than any of these other attacking players not even close so it, it's tough it's a tough race there is for me there's no clear-cut guy i think robbie Keane will win it because he's robbie Keane because people know the name and, and he's a, high, he's a highlight real guy, right? And, and I think that sticks mm-hmm. in the minds of people. And, and you know what? I've said it before. It, it, it's not it, – it, I guess you can call it a knock or not a knock. The fact of the matter is a lot of people that vote don't watch a ton of games. A lot of people that vote don't watch a variety of teams. So they really rely on highlights. They rely on just the names they know, the stats uh, that, that they can look at yeah. at the end of a season. But for, I think, people that have watched the league and watched multiple games a week and watched the league closely – I think it's much tougher race. It's a much tougher uh, call to make on MVP.
0: No, oh, And you're exactly right, especially, you know, a guy like Ford. People expect, you know, four, your number one job is to obviously score, score goals, you know, and provide assists. But sometimes you're not able to, and you have to do other things, drop down to the box, help out defensively. You're, you're exactly right, and you're right. I mean, some people don't don't see all these things. I mean, that's something we've seen with someone like, for instance, Josie Atter, dropping a lot, dropping down and helping out the attack. You see a lot of things like that. Uh, staying in the uh, Eastern Conference, Ivis the New England Revolution defeated the Columbus Crew on the road, one to zero. Uh, Juan Agudelo combines with Lee Wynn for a beautiful backheel pass. I think we've seen Agudelo do that a uh, couple week, last couple games for for New England. Or maybe I've seen it a lot. I don't know. It just seems like he does it a lot. But uh, when you look at New England, Ivis, I mean, w- what a tremendous job Jay Heaps did to get this team into the playoffs and to get them to finish third in the Eastern Conference.
1: I'll tell you right now, Jay Heaps better send the gift package to Chiefs USA for delivering them Juan Agudelo because has definitely made all the difference for them. I mean, this year, not to say he's been the main, like the only reason for their success. There have been other guys. Diego Fagundes, Kellen Rowe, particularly two guys who really, really improved this year. Those two guys drove the attack. But they needed a forward. They needed a a a focal point at the top of their attack to bring it all together. They had those midfield pieces, right? They had Roe, Lee Wynn, Diego Fagundes kind of as a second striker. They needed that target guy, that that forward up top. Agadelo gave them that perfect fit, helped them get to this run. And they, and they're a tricky team, you know, when you think about it. They 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 have a defense that they have a tough defense. Mm-hmm. They have a midfield that get, get, it's tough to get a handle on. And now they have Agudelo, who's looking really good and looking like a guy who wants to be in top form when he heads over to England and Stoke City.
0: Well, it, it You just said that. I mean, I think New England has your defensive player of the year. I think. Do you think the one thing that might kill New England is the lack of playoff experience? Because this team is so young. They are a very young team.
1: I agree. Sporting Kansas City, I think, is going to have that edge on them. They've been through the battles. They've been through that postseason grind. And it's something that you, you, know, you can't uh, replicate it. You, can, you have to actually go through it. New England hasn't gone through it. Fagundes hasn't gone through it. Kellen Rowe hasn't gone through it. Not, you know, not, not, not many of these guys have gone through it. So I think they're, they're going to go through their growing pains. Sporting Kansas City, I think, is going to knock them off. But
0: I think it'll be a fun series to watch. Well, and yeah, and this might sound cliche, but sometimes you have to learn how to win. Look at the Houston about Dominic Kinnear. I mean, like you said earlier in the show, sometimes we assume that they're out, but they just come back because they know how to win when to win. And New England, maybe that inexperience might kill them.
1: Well, it'll cost them. It'll cost them the playoffs this D- year. But you know what? That's the first step for them. Yeah, because they have, they'll have all those guys back. And it's a learning experience, and 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 there'll be a good team when you talk about next year. Even though they lose Agudelo, that's going to be a big blow for them. But I think that if anything, if there's a you know the big positive is along with the fact that they've shown so much improvement, is that there's a bright future, bright future there when you talk about Fagundes and Rowe, um, Lee Win that that base of Andrew Farrell, the rookie who's been you know obviously he was the number one pick, he had a really good rookie year, uh, you know solid starter for them. So things are looking up, for, uh, looking up for New England after
0: several years of things just not looking good at all. He had a good year because he came on this show. That's why
1: our first guest. Yeah, right. That's
0: right. Know. Was it the first show? I can't remember.
1: It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was our first. He was our first. Uh... Oh wait, was he our first?
0: I can't remember. He
1: was our first guest, but I don't know if it was. the first I don't know.
0: I'm so afraid to go back and listen to the first show. I, I bet it's horrible. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good. One. I'm sure it is, man. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I've always been afraid to go back and listen.
1: I was uh, Yeah, I mean sometimes, I, it's funny you mentioned, it. I was listening the other day to the, our, our Eastern Conference and Western Conf- Conference preview shows, mm-hmm. and uh, there was some good stuff there, I, I recommend people go back and listen to those, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, listen, there were a few gems in there that I would love to delete, like me saying that Carlo Cudicini was a major upgrade for the Galaxy, clearly that one was off the mark, but then there were a lot of other good points that, that you know, I, I hit on pretty, pretty well
0: And Like what, what was one of the good points?
1: Well, I picked uh, FC Dallas to finish eighth in the West.
0: Yes, you did do that. That and, this is uh, true.
1: I got a lot of stick for that, and uh, let, let me see. see. I'm looking at the standings, and they finished eighth. So, you know, and, and I say what <laughs> credit, credit to credit to some FC Dallas uh, fans. Uh, at the, I was in I was in Kansas City for the for the recent U.S. National Team game, and I ran into some of those. I Dallas fans mm-hmm. who were who really critical of me for being kind of a Dallas hater, quote-unquote. We had a great talk about it. And, 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 and you know, they, I tried to tell them where I was coming from. Like, hey, listen, I don't hate any team. It's just I, I had my doubts about this team. I, You know, I just didn't think they were that good. And, and it was just funny how, like, they kept bringing up the fact that even when the team was rolling at the beginning of the year, I still wouldn't give it to them. I still wouldn't give them credit. I still was holding out and saying, I still don't know. I still don't think this team's got it. And then they kept bringing up the fact that I wouldn't that I wouldn't give them credit, and I says, "Well, I was right." And they were like, but "That's still that's not the point." And I'm like, "Okay, all right, all right." But uh, but look, people you
0: know, just assume you're an FC Dallas hater, though you know that.
1: I, you know what, man, I've had great times in Dallas. I, I just you know I haven't it's been the it's a the years. it's the
0: George John thing. It's the what George John thing.
1: George, John, listen, <laughs> me and George John get along great. You know, I, I, I was I, I talked him up coming out of the coming out of the combine and the draft and. You know, he we we SBI we did a nice story on him earlier in the year, and uh, me and him had a good chat the, uh, last time he was in New York. So there is no, there are no issues there, folks. I, I don't know. It's it's always funny to me how some fans see. I
0: know it's or, funny on the website. Yeah. I, I noticed it for a while. There was just all this ridiculous. It was just it was just funny on the website for a while.
1: Yeah, it, it is what it is. But ba- but back to the point uh, that we were—I don't even remember
0: what the point was. Uh, we were uh, talking about uh, predictions and how many reckless or positive predictions we had.
1: I'm going to have to go back and write down a list of like the worst calls and the best calls. <laughs> and I'd say my Dallas call I, I thought was great. And then picking, I picked Portland to make the playoffs when I don't think anyone was picking them to make the playoffs. And I picked Caleb Porter to be my Coach of the Year. So there you go. I'm liking that pick right now. Hey
0: and, and you got a couple other ones. Zardis for a Rookie of the Year, possibly.
1: Yeah, you know, if he doesn't break his foot, I mean, anything's possible, right? I mean, if he goes into the year healthy and he's starting from day one, yeah, and he, you know, he could have given, uh, given the Colorado boys a run for their money. And I will tell you what, when we talk about this class, the <laughs> well, last point, last point. When the way you
0: about- said that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, <laughs> we, let me tell
1: you what. <laughs> when it comes to this rookie class, I would put a pretty penny on Jossie's artist next year being the sophomore of the year. Because that he, he he really has really uh, he's really coming into his own, you know. Especially here as we get into the playoffs, he could have a great postseason. Either way, he he's showing the qualities that he had that made him such a <coughs> highly regarded prospect. And next year, I think he's I think he's going to tear it up next year.
0: That's what Major League Soccer should do. You know, for the All Star Game, they should kind of do like an NBA thing. You know, and get maybe like a a skills competition or shooting contest, and have like a rookie sophomore game before the. I don't. know. That could be I- interesting.
1: Yeah, they, 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 they got to do something. They spice up the awesome. Yeah,
0: you know, I think like a skill competition, like who could do the like the you know like like a horse between like you know Cross- two guys a, juggling or something like that. Cross-bar. Yeah, crossbar challenge or, or maybe they'll put like you know like like targets in the goal. You have to hit you know up you know upper lower you know stuff. I don't know. Maybe
1: we've 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 completely lost the
0: plot. Yeah, well, MLS, if anyone from MLS is listening, you can hire Ivis and I to handle uh, you know, all MLS events, all-star events, if you want us to. Um,
1: You're busy hiring someone to figure out how to make a, sk- a playoff
0: schedule. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. All right, Ivis. Now, moving on and looking at the knockout games for the MLS playoffs. The game on Wednesday, Seattle is going to be hosting the Colorado Rapids. On Thursday, Houston is going to be hosting the Montreal Impact. Looking at Colorado and Seattle, Ivan, since that's the first game. Colorado on the road have, the road have not been good in the last three matches. 0-3 in their last three road matches. Camilo gets a hat trick. Uh, all his goals are very nice uh, for him. He also gets the uh, golden boot. But for Colorado, they have to go on the road to take on the Seattle Sounders, who, who have, I guess you could say, a little bit of momentum going forward with Dempsey getting a goal right there. Looking at this, any chance you could see Colorado on the road pulling off an upset over Seattle, or is this gonna to be too much for that young team uh to deliver on the road?
1: I don't think it's impossible, but I, I don't think they're gonna do it. I think I think losing Dylan Powers hurts. You know, he's he's dealing with a concussion issue that cost him the last three games of the regular season and now it appears that he will not be playing in this last in this in this playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be tough, and, and as much you know, look, they're a deep team, right? So they're not, yeah. it's not like they're going to not be able to find someone uh, to be a, a decent fill. in I mean, I, I think they'll have, they'll probably go with Sturgis and, and Henry Thomas uh, behind Martin Rivero. So they'll have players, they'll have some quality. I think I still think they'll miss Powers. And, and like you said, man, they got a young team. They've got some young guys who haven't been in the playoff battles, and you know they haven't done well on the road. And now they go to a place in Seattle that's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be rocking. It, it, I don't know if it'll be the normal Seattle crowd because it's gonna be a, a midweek game, on short notice, to, scheduled scheduled on short notice. So it, it might not be as intimidating as normal. I still think Seattle's gonna get it done, though. Uh, you know, I, I haven't I haven't given up hope on them. I think I think they just there's too much quality there. I just can't write them off. I know they didn't look great towards down, towards mm-hmm. down down the stretch, but I mean, let's look at their schedule too, right? That's the thing, and it's easy to look at. At the run at the end and say, "Oh man, they're awful! Look at all that! Look, at, they didn't win a match for like what seemed like two months, right?" I mean, let's look at the you know how long was this Winless Street two four six seven right seven game Winless Street uh, you know moonwalking into the playoffs in a way, but look at the teams they played, right? I mean, look the FC Dallas loss you know you're not going to really you know forgive that one, but the, the Galaxy, the Timbers, uh, Whitecaps team that was that came on strong at the end. Uh, the Colorado Rapids and the New York Red Bulls and the LA Galaxy I mean look at that run of games they had at the end of the year Mm -hmm. that is a brutal schedule so obviously you combine that with you know some injuries some guys not in form it it was kind of a perfect storm Uh, you'd like you get the sense now they're a little healthier um, and even though they didn't beat LA they, they still I think they got something from that game to let them think that you know what we can compete we can still compete on this level even though we're not at our best and maybe if we do find that best again, we'll, we'll be right back in
0: it. So you're saying so when you look at this, when, and you look at that Colorado victory, the five to one. Granted, that was at home for the Rapids. I mean, you don't give that any, any credit. I mean, you don't think that's going to be in the back mind of the Seattle Sounders that hey, this team three weeks ago thrashed us. I mean, you don't think Yedlin's going to no, have a no, you don't think going to have like a flashback when Deshaun Brown runs oh, at him and he's gonna be like, oh. oh
1: uh, well, look. First of all, it's not in Colorado. It's not at altitude. It's in Seattle. It's on the turf. That, you know, he, he had a bad day that day. No doubt about it. No question about it. And I'm sure Colorado is going to try to go after him again Just to see what the kid can do. But, uh, you know, I, I think as a team, I think they're going to be in a better position to defend as a group. And uh, I, I think if Dempsey's playing well, if
0: Obafemi Martins is healthy and playing well, I mm-hmm. think Colorado's going to have their own issues to deal with defensively. Well, the winner of that game will play the Portland Timbers, so I'm assuming everyone secretly wants the uh, Cascadia Showdown with Seattle nobody, Sounders and Portland nobody Timbers. Nobody,
1: outside of Colorado, I think, wants uh, wants Seattle to lose. I think because I think you know what, even if you hate Seattle, I think you want Seattle in the semis because you want Portland to beat them, right? I mean, because I I you know, let, let me, cause look, honestly, if Seattle, let's say Seattle loses to Colorado, right? No one's going to remember a year from now outside of Seattle, right? uh but if Seattle goes and plays Portland and loses to them in the playoffs that that's history that's history with that rivalry it, 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 it's just it's just a bigger spectacle overall so i think i think everyone everyone wants wants seattle and you know what hey if we if it was the nba then you know david stern could call in the special refs and make sure it happens All right. All right. Stop it. I think it's going to happen on Wednesday. I think Seattle's going to, you know, you'd like to think the refs aren't going to make any (laughs) really really bad blown calls that cost Colorado a result. If it does happen, then definitely conspiracy theories will abound. But I think Seattle gets the job done.
0: (sighs) Jesus. (laughs) What? What? <laughs> nothing, you know what? nothing. As soon as there's a missed call, Twitter will blow up and everyone's going to tag you in on it. Uh, moving over to the Eastern Conference, Houston will be hosting the Montreal Impact, whose fall from grace almost had them out of the playoffs. Uh, Houston's going to be at home uh, with the way both teams are playing right now, Ivis, unless Marco Devaio literally puts the whole team on his back. I-, I just don't see any way that Montreal on the road is going to be able to defeat the Houston Dynamo.
1: You know what? It, it would it would absolutely shock me if Montreal Montreal could get that result. It, I just don't see it. I mean, I think Houston's starting to play better. Mm-hmm. They're at home. Montreal's defense is just not good these days. Yeah, and,
0: uh, that loss to Toronto was so bad.
1: I saw it coming, man. I, it,
0: I called it too. I I called that too. I just wanted to let everyone know that. And I called the uh, Portland Timbers and supporter shield. That did not happen. <laughs> Wait, what, did you call, what else did you call I said, I said, here's what I said. I said, Sporting Kansas City and the Union would tie. And then I said, New York would lose. Montreal would lose. Chicago would be in the playoffs. Montreal's out of the playoffs. Portland Timbers would win and win the Supporters' Shield. Mm, so I, I, I would give my prediction about like a 35% <laughs> if I was grading it. Yeah,
1: that, that didn't really work out. <laughs> um, what,
0: what, I blanked. What, what were, we just... we're, talking, well, we're talking about how bad Montreal was against Toronto.
1: Right. it's t- It really is tough to see a way that Montreal can win that game. And what's crazy if you think about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how close Montreal, like the, the, if you want to point to a play, the only reason they're in the playoffs, a play that went their way. Mike McGee, penalty kick against Montreal. Oh, that's right. For the hat trick, puts the game on ice and he misses it. If he converts that penalty kick, Chicago Fire in the playoffs, Montreal is home. He missed the penalty kick. Montreal came back down. They made it, they scored to make it 2 2. And history has changed. So, you know what? They they were a little charmed there. And obviously they look, they got the job done against Philly, right? That that they got their one win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh their one win in nine matches that, to the end of the season. But you know what? Houston's gonna get it done. Uh I don't I don't think anyone thinks that Houston's not gonna get it done. Um other I I, I bet you Mike becky's hoping they get it done. Because uh, hoping Montreal gets it done. Because I, I'm, I don't think Houston. I don't think anyone wants to see Houston in playoffs in, in a series. Really? It, it, it's just you know what? I'm not sold on Houston, man. I just think they've looked so bad. It's it, it's the history, man. Dom Kinnear knows what to do in the playoffs. He's done it year after year, even when the teams haven't been that great. He gets the most out of his teams in the playoffs. And you know what? The Red Bulls are playing really well. I don't think they are fearing anybody, and they've beaten the crap out of Houston two times in a row that's true uh but you know yeah, so but you know what uh, i if it if pecky probably wouldn't admit it uh, publicly but i guarantee he would rather play montreal than houston
0: and we will preview the semifinal matchups later this week news came out on tuesday that major league soccer is looking to do a playoff format change what's the latest on this ivis
1: Well, uh, Grant Wall, uh, Sports Illustrated, is uh, reporting that the league is in discussions uh, to change up the the layout of their schedule. The way it was laid out uh, originally was was that they were squeezing in a bunch of games before the international window to accommodate the window, but by doing that, what they ended up doing was uh, kind of affecting the the, the conference semifinals by having the higher seeds have their home game be midweek games, which... You know, it's awful. It's an awful layout, and the reason it's awful is because most teams do not draw well in the middle of the week. It's just does it just doesn't happen, right? It's historically it's an issue. So now, if you're a home team, if if you're a higher seed, if you're the New York Red Bulls or if you're the Portland Timbers, all all of a sudden you're faced with with you know short on short notice trying to sell. A midweek game so you know i think that's an issue and, and i think that's a that's one of the main issues there so it, it definitely doesn't look good for the league that they're actually going to consider this now i mean talk about short notice um but apparently they're working on it and uh you know that's why we haven't heard yet the schedule uh the full schedule for the conference semifinals you know it was assumed that the games were midweek the mm-hmm. second
0: leg but now the, the, those games might be pushed all the way to the other weekend well, uh, the good thing is they won't change the uh, MLS Cup final, so you and I can still throw our epic party.
1: Oh no, that's happening!
0: Yeah, so that, that was that was the only thing I cared about. I'm like, reading, well, I'm, like I'm like, please don't change the date, please don't change. I'm like, oh, perfect, same date. All right, we're good still.
1: Well, well, that's an, well, that's another thing. Now, at this point, uh, barring some real, uh, and barring another Houston crazy Houston run to the uh, to the final, uh, we're probably going to have MLS Cup be at either New York or Kansas City, uh, since they're the top two records overall. Uh, so we we can we can start uh, you know start trying to find some spots in those cities and luckily enough uh, I I live in the New York area and I've been to KC a few times lately so uh, I'm sure we'll have some good
0: spots if it's in New York do do I crash at your place is that how this works
1: no uh, there's a few park benches that I could uh, <laughs> you know now nah, we we got you covered we got you we'll, we'll hook you up we'll hook you up with some accommodations I'll
0: go I'll go chill with Franco.
1: <laughs> yeah, these got tons of room. Uh, nah, nah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hook it up. We'll, we'll have the S, we'll have Team SBI headquarters somewhere.
0: Also, Ivis dropping on Tuesday. News came from the Associated Press that David Beckham is looking to exercise his one-time franchise discount rate of 25 million for that Miami franchise, and it's looking like he wants to start the team in 2016. Uh, I mean this is uh we we talked about it possibly as rumors but I mean this would be amazing if, if all this comes to fruition.
1: Right. I mean it it was something that we've all seen for a while now and kind of expected it um but I mean I think it's a, it's still now that it, it, the now that we have a real tangible report coming from the associated press on it 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 really kind of puts it all into focus uh we we talked I don't know how far back about about the three teams most likely being Orlando, Miami, and Atlanta. Uh, obviously, Orlando's a done deal now. Atlanta, day by day, it's starting to seem like it's going to be one of them. And now here we go with this report, David Beckham in Miami. Uh, it's what we expected. Uh, at this point, the question is who's going to be his partner uh, in the deal and where will they put a stadium in Miami. So uh, if anything, now we're starting to see a timetable. And if you're a, fa- if you're a soccer fan in Florida, you got to be pretty excited.
0: Here's just a thought I, I was just thinking of. We- we've seen other – sports legends do professional sports franchises michael jordan i don't think he's done a good job wayne gretzky i don't think he's did, ever did a good job for the coyotes david beckham do you think his name is more of a draw than those two guys or or what, I mean, not that i'm trying to say that the franchise is doomed from the start but i mean do you think though that he's the type of guy a sports legend that can make that transition to be a successful owner of a viable franchise
1: but I think the real question is going to be who's it, who is going to be his backer, financial backer slash partner. Is going to be Marcelo Claude. Is going to be Ross, the uh, the Miami Dolphins owner. Uh, you know, I think I think those are, are, are going to be that's going to be a key question there, uh, because who he partners with and the kind of financial and business muscle they'll bring to the table is really going to give us a sense of where things will go. Um, and you know, we always say the ownership group and how how. St- Mart, they are soccer wise is always key to long term success. Mm-hmm. And you like to think Beckham has a pretty good sense of the game and is going to be able to hire good people, put good people in place to help to help run the club, to help run the actual soccer side of things, not just the marketing slash business slash branding side of things.
0: Uh, before we get into the SBIQ and A, because I mean we all know that's why everyone listens to the show. Anyways, anyways, is to hear the SBIQ and A on the U.S. men's national team front. Uh, reports are coming out of Europe that Timmy Chandler might be uh, might be coming back. Ivis, what's what's up with that?
1: Reading the tea leaves. Yes, you get the sense that maybe, just maybe, there's a chance for him to come back. Uh, U.S. Soccer puts out kind of regular uh, detail. Detailed information on on where their scouts are going to go watch games in the weekends, and uh, it was definitely a a head turner when it when it came out uh, that Andy Herzog uh, attended Nuremberg's game on Friday, and and that you know hey listen, there's no one else for him to see except Tim Chandler, Uh, and credit to Chandler, he assisted the what what eventually was the, the the game tying goal. It was really early in the match, but it still was an equalizing. It was a nice pass. He played a solid game, and it was actually uh, uh, Gertchen Verbeek's first game in charge in Nuremberg, and for those of you who wonder where you've heard that name, Verbeek was the coach at AZ uh, when Josie Altador was tearing it up, and he was the coach at uh, uh, Heronvane when Michael Bradley uh, lit up the scoreboard uh, for that one big season at Heronvein. So, you know, Verbeek has the kind of a magic touch with, with U.S. national team players, and Maybe he's worked it again because Chandler's on the radar, and and you got to think that based on the fact that they're scouting him, that they're ready to bring him back in from the wilderness and from his uh, his exile because he, he he apparently had replaced Lennon and Donovan and, and Jurgen Klinsmann's doghouse.
0: Okay, so okay, let's say that that Jurgen is is looking to bring him back in. Obviously, those November dates for those games in Europe make sense. But I mean, is he a guy that can really push for that? a Brazil roster, especially when a guy that, that you and I have talked about and we would assume that if healthy, Steve Trungolo is going to be the starting right back for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, what, what, what prospects really are there, I mean, percentage-wise, for Jimmy Chandler to like, legitimately provide to, and, and get a spot on this roster? He
1: is good enough to be the starting right back on this team. Steve Truongolo's health regardless. He, he can start ahead of Trungolo. He could be his backup. He is absolutely when he, you know when he's on his game. Tim Chandler is one of the better players you can bring in as a fullback. I mean, he will be on that roster in Brazil if his head's in it, if his heart's in it, and he's healthy. He will be there. The reason he hasn't been around, it's pretty clear, is because he he hadn't shown his uh, commitment to this team. He had to, to the national team. He hadn't shown that desire that you know you expect all your players to have. You know, he, he it looks like he turned down some call ups in questionable fashion. Uh, really, really, kind of testing the patience. So you're in Klinsman, and I think Klinsmann finally Yeah, said, see, you know no,
0: what? but no, but no, 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 no. See, I, I don't want that. I don't want a guy that's going to be denying call-ups. The team qualifies, then, then he wants to maybe come back in. No, no, thank you. I want a guy who's there from the very beginning, grinding with the rest of the team. And I'm sure a lot of people uh, will agree with me on that.
1: You know, right? You know what? But that doesn't mean a damn thing because I tell you what, players. They 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 want you want to have your best possible team there, and, and it's not like he's showing up on May 28th and getting ready to go onto the plane to Brazil. It's going to be a process, and it's been a process, right? I mean, it, he who, who we don't know the details, right? It's not like Tim Chandler came out and, and gave a you know a speech to, to to people saying I I don't feel like playing for the U-. you know he never did that, so we don't know for a fact what's gone down. We've just kind of read the tea leaves, we've heard the comments from Klinsman. Klinsman has – has let his kind of doubts be known, his concerns be known. So from that, we kind of ascertain that you know what Chandler doesn't seem to be fully committed, and and, and it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate for whatever reason. Maybe he he just doesn't doesn't get it the way other other players, other German Americans, how they get it, how important it is. How you don't take it for granted. Uh, but you know what? Maybe he has learned that. And and at the end of the day, what matters is getting the best team to Brazil. Like, forget all this hurt feelings thing, right? This isn't about emotions. The World Cup is about getting the best team to Brazil and win, and and being and trying to get as far as you can get. Like, this isn't. This isn't a relationship. This is soccer, man. This is like <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. Like that. I mean, if we're gonna get into all that, I mean, Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan should pretty much be like, you know what? You're gonna forget you.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm I'm hurt. Uh, I don't know. Like, Lan- I don't sure. know. Landon Donovan. Uh, I'm just saying. I, I would mean, not. I I would not compare Landon Donovan to Timmy Chandler.
1: But it, I'm talking about like you don't. The whole point of that is emotions are out the window and all, all that all that stuff. What matters is getting the best team on the field. And if Chandler can show he's committed, all that other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, come on. Edgar Castillo wore a Mexico uniform before. Yeah, they, I can guarantee you that there are, there are idiots out there to say, he, he he wore the Mexico shirt. I would never want him on our team. Or that kind of stuff. Like, that, who cares? What matters is he wants to play now. He wants to be on the team now. And and then, you know what? Put him through the process. Put him through the ringer. Make him show that he wants it. And And if he does want it, and he's good enough, he'll be there. All the other stuff does not matter. Come on, man. I'm, can't, I'm, let emotions, can't, can't let emotions get in the
0: way. I'm just, I'm just very okay with Brad Evans as the right back, Ivis.
1: He, hey, you know what? He,
0: you what. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't to... call me out of that. Brad Evans is from Arizona. I thought you were going to call me out on that. But
1: you know what? I, hey, he's earned some respect. He's gotten better. I'll yes. give him that. I'll give him that he's gotten better. But you know what? The World Cup is going to be brutally difficult. The groups, the the potential groups for the U.S. are going to be, the group's going to be stacked that they play, right? So you want to have the highest level player you could possibly have at every position. Brad Evans has done well in CONCACAF, but CONCACAF is not the level they're going to be playing at in Brazil. They're going to be playing at a higher level, tougher competition. You want the guy starting in the Bundesliga at right back. Not the guy who starts an MLS everywhere but right now. You know understand? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just that's common sense, man. Just, you know what? And it, it, print that comment out, put it on the bulletin board, because that's what it boils down to. Evans is a good stopgap, but you what you really want is a healthy Steve Trundolo. And if you can't have a healthy Steve Trundolo, you go get yourself a healthy and hopefully committed Timmy Chandler. And between now and Brazil, between now and, and May, if he can show clinsman and all the guys on the team that hey i really want to be here and he has to do that he has to do that because there's some doubt there's gonna there's certainly some doubt in the minds of players but i don't think play i i can tell you man i i highly doubt players are spending much time holding a grudge or thinking nah man you didn't want to be here before we don't want you here now that's not how players want they want a guy who can help them win man that's what they want that's all they care about it's like you know what okay fine you were confused before I don't really care. As long as you show me you're committed now, that's all that matters. And I think that's what they're going to do with him now. Bring him in November. Bring him into the friendlies. And have him back in the mix and see where his head is. If his head is on straight, you have to bring him in because he is that good. I know some folks remember that Honduras qualifier in San Pedro Sula and how awful he looked in that game. And that's kind of the lasting impression is like, you know what? We don't miss him. He was terrible. You know what? That was one game, and he was hardly the only guy who was terrible that game. I mean, who wasn't terrible in San Pedro Sula? So, I wasn't. Well, you're terrible wherever you were, probably. But listen, he <laughs> he is too good to just cast out, right? I mean, if he wants back in, and if his head's on straight, you got to bring him back.
0: Well, Ivis, we have reached the end of the show. It's the SBIQ and A. Uh, everyone listening, we're eventually going to change our format up. So we appreciate all the questions. Keep sending them in. We will let you know when we change the format up. Uh, we, we have this we have this new cool idea that that we're doing. So hopefully, we get to start that soon, Ivis, next week when. When we uh, get the SBI Q&A going. Uh, first question this week comes from Steven Ryberg. Ivis, how do Beckham's plans in Miami affect Atlanta's chances? Is MLS really going to go from zero to three teams in the Southeast?
1: Um, I, I don't, have you heard of uh, Cascadia? I mean, is that even a question? I mean, I, the whole idea is to have kind of a cluster of teams, you know, and build some rivalries and, and kind of try to take over a region. Obviously, we've seen it in the Pacific Northwest with. Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle, and you know, five years, six ago, five or six years ago, people probably would have said the same thing. Like, could you? Would they really put three teams there? And it's obviously worked. You know, it's a, it's a great setup there. You've got some great rivalries already, uh, and obviously, look, Atlanta and Miami aren't as close as uh, you know, Portland, Seattle, but it's still about kind of putting your footprint in that corner of the country where you haven't had a presence since uh, contraction uh back in in, in uh the, the the turn of the aughts uh I, so i i think absolutely you're gonna see those three i think based on everything we're seeing now you're gonna see those three teams you're
0: gonna see atlanta miami and orlando and it makes perfect sense they should put a cluster in the southwest of the united states next question i have comes from eric fox in light of your rant about doing nationals for u.s men's national team do you th- what do you think about Di Costa renouncing Brazil for Spain?
1: You know what? I, I don't see why. I mean, I, I'm sure people, maybe some people in Brazil, will, will, will have questions about it, but I don't see how anyone would really take an issue with this. Because what it boils down to is this: Diego Costa's entire professional career was in Spain. He was pretty much found in. Uh, well, I, he started out in, in, in Portugal, but for the most part, his career has has really blossomed in. In Spain, that's where he's become a player. Now, obviously, he had a few games with with the Brazil setup, And for whatever reason, maybe he just didn't feel comfortable there. Maybe he no longer uh, found himself identifying as a Brazilian. You know, if you spend enough years, uh, he's been since 2007 in Spain. If you spend enough time in one country where maybe you start to attach yourself to that country, then you can't really knock it. And it's not, this isn't a new thing. I mean, whether you want to talk about Marco Senna, who, who played for Spain, or or someone like Pepe, who plays for Portugal, uh, the Real Madrid defender? I mean, we, we've seen or or Deco, uh, obviously another one, Deco, the the great the great midfielder uh, who played at Barcelona and Chelsea. He was Brazilian, but he played for Portugal, so this is not a new thing. And, and I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know why anyone's acting like it is. I mean, it's not like this. It's not like Diego Costa. Played his entire career, uh, you know, in, in the Brazilian league or something. He didn't. So, so this one's not quite the same thing.
0: Uh, next question comes from Justin. Does MLS realize that changing the playoff schedule last minute looks terribly unprofessional?
1: It's unfortunate, no doubt about it. And you have to ask yourself, why did they not see the the, the issues earlier? Why why did they not look at that and say, do we really really want to have Wednesday second legs for home for the higher seeds? That's not a good look. Uh, yes, it, it's not. It's bad. It's bad. What can you say? There's not. There's no. There's no way to, to to say it's a good thing. But it, it, you know what? If anything, they're realizing their mistake and now they're going to try to correct it. And hopefully next time they'll get it right the first time. So I, I I think it's bad. But at the same time, I think the alternative is worse. Leaving it the way it was, or leaving if leaving it as it's supposed to be is not like I think it's bad for the league. I think it's worse for the league to have. Have those those second legs on on the midweeks and and really almost punishing
0: teams who were who who have earned these higher seeds. Uh, next question comes from Nathan Martin. New England has scored multiple goals in six of ten matches. Sporting Kansas City has allowed zero multi-goal games in ten. Who do you got? New England offense or Sporting Kansas City defense? Sporting Kansas City defense. I got oh, New England, England. offense. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Wanna, I know you want to be different, but look. <laughs> New England, New England might not even <laughs> score. You know, I, I
1: say it now. New England, they, I think they might get one goal in two games. Ooh.
0: We'll see. Next question comes from Freddie Shires. Do you think the Whitecaps are too quick to move on from Rennie? Would you have given him another year?
1: Um, honestly, I don't, I don't see why. Well, here's the thing. He had a two-year contract to begin with. So Vancouver clearly didn't – they weren't completely sold. You know, if you hire a guy, you want to give him a three-year contract. That's pretty standard. They gave him a two-year deal. And then after the first year, first year, they don't renew. So he's operated this whole year on uh, kind of as a lame duck. I mean, that that I think that right there was was not, I don't know if that was an ideal situation. Um, but look at the look at the track record for two years in a row. The team started well. The team at the, in the mid at the midpoint in the season in the summer is looking great, looking like a playoff team, and then falling apart. And and you, to, when you do that two years in a row, you can't chalk it up to oh you know bad luck or an injury they just fell apart and it's got to be on his head it's got to be it, he's got to take the blame for that and uh so you know what i i had no problem with that at all just just looking at the way the seasons shook out uh i absolutely would've, i would have done the same thing i would have i would have uh, parted ways with him
0: too uh beer J asks a very important question ivis as a walking dead and amc fan i have to recommend hell's on wheels amc have you seen it
1: I have not. I've heard about it. Uh, it's on my list of, uh, of shows to catch up on. But uh, I, unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, there's too many shows. There's too many shows. There to is watch, too many you know? shows. I mean, Boardwalk Empire, uh, Walking Dead, Parenthood. I like Parenthood for all you parents out there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's, enough. there's enough. There's already enough stuff to watch.
0: Dude, you, you know what I did? Speaking of Walking Dead, in Phoenix on Saturday night, they had a zombie walk with like 5,000 people. I went with my family. We dressed up as zombies. Dude, you would have loved it, Ivis. It was okay. it was awesome. So how how
1: was it? Di- how did it look different than any other night in that area?
0: No no no. Downtown Phoenix is very hip. Oh my god, I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that word has officially been banned from the show. But it was awesome though. It's so like we're doing the zombie walk, right? And there's like zombie brides. There was like a zombie Teletubby, and I kept thinking like there has to be Walking Dead characters, right? And then finally at the very end, we came across someone was dressed up as the governor. And had like a, you know, then they had like I guess it was his daughter like you know in a chain like you know his daughter was a zombie. And then we ran into Michonne, and she had like the swords and like the zombies. It was it was awesome, man. It was so cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I was, it was, yeah. I'm sure they have more zombie walks across the U.S. If anyone's listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I want to do a zombie walk, trust me, get into it. I highly recommend it. Uh, next question comes from Troy Lafleur. What percent chance do you give Houston to making another Cinderella, Cinderella run at the MLS Cup this year?
1: I think it's going to be tougher this year. Uh, I really do. I think, I know they've started to show a little better form later in the year, but I just, you know what? I think I don't know if they're. Ta- I don't know if the goals are there, or the goal, the, the consistent goals. I mean, I, Will Bruin needs to get it going. He, need, he he hasn't he hasn't been nearly consistent enough, and, and I think this year New York and KC are playing at a really high level, and I don't, I just don't see them knocking both those teams off. And I think that's what it's going to happen. That's what it's going to take to get to the MLS to get to MLS Cup. Could they beat the Red Bulls in a in a series? Maybe, I, I, but even if they pull that off, uh, I just don't see them being beating Kansas City a third time. And I think Kansas City is going to be there. So I think for me, that's it's going to be it's just too much. And if anything, but we're you know best worst best case if you're Houston or best case for the league, I think Houston maybe knocks off New York and gets to KC, and then KC after losing to Houston for the last two years finally vanquishes them and that's kind of like their next step to maybe
0: winning a change uh next question comes from bo sleazy uh i don't think that's the real name of this but uh he <laughs> he asks uh what do you think of uh Lillindula at center attacking mid for new york
1: he's looked really good and you know it's funny uh dax mccarty after the match said uh you know, he, he doesn't know what the, the those French coaches were thinking because he he looks more like a playmaker. And he kind of does, you know, and, and that, that's kind of an area that the Red Bulls, if there's a, been an area they've been lacking, it's been in that kind of attacking playmaker role. You know, Janino was supposed to be that guy, and obviously that didn't work out. Uh, but he, he gives you a different, he gives you something different uh, in that role. And uh, it's just funny how, how, it just shows you the the kind of season that the Red Bulls have, right? Liendola. He, he, couldn't, he can't finish. He can't, hit the side, he can't hit the side of a barn as a striker. But then all of a sudden you put him as a playmaker and he's turning in uh, you know, just the creative wizard now. So that, that, that's, that's a big plus for them. Uh, and I think he's, he could end up playing a big role in the playoffs.
0: Next question comes from Sergio Gonzalez. When will MLS teams take at least one important CONCACAF Champions League game serious with a good lineup? EU teams do it. Why not MLS? He ends it with P.O., MLS fan.
1: Well, look, I I tell you what, you've got a right to be upset. But at the same time, you can't compare what MLS teams are dealing with and what uh, European teams are dealing with. If you think about it, Um, number one, uh, you know, European teams, when they're dealing with the group stages of the Champions League, it's in it's early in the club seasons. Right. So it's not in there's no playoff race. There's no race to, 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 to get a playoff spot or playoff position in the league. You know, you're just in the league season, uh, so it's it's just a different dynamic. Secondly, European teams have depth; they have the depth to, to put out uh, two teams or, or to kind of balance things out and 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 rest some guys and not try to play a full strength team. Um, because so so it's not it's not like European teams are trotting out the same eleven on Saturday and then the same exact eleven on Wednesday. That's not happening either. I mean, it's just a case of European teams have more depth. Uh, it's an un- it's an unfortunate. Aspect of the scheduling of of the Champions League. The Champions League group stages take place in the heart of the playoff race. So, if you're an MLS coach and you have to decide between uh, a Champions League group stage game or a, a game that could cost you the playoffs or, or cost you a really important playoff position, you're going to go with with the MLS uh, the MLS impact over over the Champions League because at, at to, to this point, MLS still means more than a Champions League. Uh, I know some people don't, don't think that should be, and obviously that's not the case in Europe. But in the, in the U.S., that's still how it is. And until MLS spends more money and makes teams deeper, we're going to have that. We're going to have teams that have to decide and have to sacrifice. And, and MLS benches just are not good enough to get results consistently in Champions League.
0: Next question comes from Scott Utterson. Will Mike McGee get a January U.S. men's national team call-up? Can he be that annual breakout camp player? You know, here's the thing with Mike McGee, and I
1: and and we get I we consistently get I consistently get Mike McGee questions every time there's call-ups, every time there's games, and it's like why why doesn't he get a call-up? Why isn't he in the conversation? He's scoring goals, he's an NBA candidate. Uh, where, where, where's his name in the conversation? And, and it's understandable, right? Because when you look at, at at what he's doing as far as putting in goals for a couple of years now, big goals, and big games, he's a big game player you have to ask the question of how it do his qualities translate to the next level do they translate to the international level the speed of play will he be able to do the things he does well on the mls side will he be able to do them on the international level and that's the question and that's where i don't know if he's seen as someone who can translate those things you know he's not someone who beats you with speed He's not someone who's, you know, the highly technical Iniesta-like player who's going to just be able to break people down. He's, not, he's He's a very smart player with a great nose for goal who is always going to find a home in MLS scoring a ton of goals. But can he do that on the international level? I just don't – I don't know if that's going – I don't know if he can. And he's, he's not he's not a kid. Anymore. He's 29 years old. So, I don't know. I, I get this. I feel like he, the, the, the window of opportunity for him has closed – but again, he playing he's playing so well now that you have to wonder, well, could Klinsmann at least throw him a bone? And and I, you know, if you asked me this a few months ago, I would have said, nah, I don't see it. But the fact that he's looked at Brad Davis and given him a chance and brought him into the fold, it makes me think otherwise. Brad Davis is a little different because he's a left winger and that's such a uh he's such a he brings a unique skill set that's not easy to find. That's where he's a little different. McGee doesn't I don't know if McGee has that, you know? I don't know if he hasn't that. To, to really differentiate himself from the other options in the national
0: team pool. And the final question comes from Fred Turk. In what way is Mike Petke a better coach for New York Red Bull than Hans Baca?
1: Well, it, 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 the variety of things. Number, like the, the, here's the thing. Hans Baca, nice guy, great guy, hell of a guy. You get to talk to him. He, he's a charmer. He, he's, you know, he's an intelligent guy, like one of the smarter guys you, you, you could talk to. But you never got the sense his heart was in it. When it, as a coach he was he was a guy who he knew the game right he knows the game but it's i mean the guy had had i don't know how many jobs before he came here he's an older gentleman you know he's in his 60s he's he's, he's like it, it, he doesn't have that passion he's like laid back he's not a, he, he, he wasn't interested in necessarily in teaching younger players he just kind of wanted to pick a lineup roll the ball out let everybody figure things out for themselves and that just was not the way to do it. That's and not with the Red Bulls. Not with a team with with, with big salaries, big egos, um, that mix of players, that kind of locker room that could easily turn sour. You know, it, it, he just was like the he just was not the right guy. He was not the right guy for the demands of coaching that particular team, and that's why he never got more out of the teams and that's why a lot of times the teams was in, in 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 bad shape uh from a morale standpoint from a locker room camaraderie standpoint you know it's like it it, 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 it they take their lead from the coach and if, if the team is seeing their coach be kind of laid back and aloof and not really that passionate and not really like a a, a, a guy who really worked hard like that that i think that rub that trickled down Mike Pecky's been, like, the exact opposite of that. Mike Pecky's passionate. Mike Pecky wears his heart in his sleeve. He gets in your face. He tells you what you need to do. He's been there. He's worn the uniform before. It means more to him than anybody, and everyone on the team senses that. So he is—he set the bar so high from an effort standpoint and passion standpoint that everyone just followed that lead And between Pecky and Tim Cahill. And here's the thing. With Tim Cahill, like, I have a feeling that, and he, he made comments after this game on, on Sunday that were kind of pretty clear pot shots at, at, at Hans Baca in last year's setup. The sense you get is Tim Cahill wanted to take things last year. Tim Cahill wanted to kind of, like, grab the team by the, the neck and, and be its leader last year. But if your coach isn't passionate, do you, like, how do you kind of deal with that dynamic? If you're this kind of, like, natural-born leader guy like Cahill is, but yet your coach is this laid-back, oh, you know aloof guy it just didn't it wasn't a good mix pecky cahill has been the perfect mix because they're both passionate they both give their all and, and that's why i think it works so well that's why i think this year everything has gone right for them they've set a tone in that locker room and it, and, and you go there now i remember last year man last year the locker room was like a, a funeral half the time this year the guys are happy they're smiling they're passionate they, they care about this team and, and then it, it's been a great year for them
0: well, Ivis, that wraps up the SBIQNA and our midweek show, man. Uh tons to talk about and when we come back later this week, we'll recap the games and we'll have even more to talk about. But uh as we as we wrap up the show, anything we missed? Not I
1: think we covered everything. We'll, we you know, it, it, we we missed the show, we we're going to have one less show this week, but we'll be back on on Thursday and hopefully talk about the these wildcard games. It's going to be uh be some pretty crazy matchups um but Friday Saturday is when it all starts, the real the playing games are are fun and all, but it, it, the, the semi the conference semifinals is when the real magic starts to happen, and uh, I see some really good matchups.
0: Before it starts, who's
1: your pick out of the East? Uh, I'm gonna go Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you know, I think the Red Bulls, uh, I had, the Red Bulls have really shown me that they they could absolutely win the whole thing. But I just think this is the, I think it's Sporting Kansas City's year. I think they they've been through the battles, they've learned a lot, they've matured. The one thing they need, though, they need, whether it's Claudio Beeler, whether it's Dom Dwyer, whether it's C.J. Sapong, or Teal Bumbery, they need someone to step up. Suni Saad, they need someone to be their goal scorer, someone to be their Miklos Molnar for, the, for the, guys who have the, the, the guys who know the league for years. In 2000, the Wizards had an unbelievable defense. They had Tony Miola stopping everything, but they still needed that guy who could score the goal for them. Miklos Molnar was that guy for them. They need a new Miklos Molnar if they
0: find that you're going to win it all. And in the Western Conference?
1: Oh man, it is so tough. It is, I, I, I got I need a dartboard. I'll just throw a dart at a dartboard. It it's How do you pick it? How do you pick? I mean, the Galaxy with everything they have. Portland's been great. Rialso Lakes had Portland's number. It, it it's it, I don't even know what to pick. I, you know what? I think the Galaxy, I don't know. Maybe the maybe, maybe the Magic will run out for them. Rialso Lake has had portland's number but you know what i think portland i think i'm gonna go with portland i think portland i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see portland and kansas city in the final um and they played one game this year and it was one of the best games of the year Mm -hmm. so that could be a hell of a final two american coaches who who you know they're pretty similar actually in being these hard-nosed passionate guys who who really run organized ships and, and and it could be a great game
0: well, there it is. That wraps up the oh, S. Hey, 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 yes. Who's your final, buddy? Uh, New York and Portland. New York and Portland. And yeah. Who do you have? Who do you have winning? Um, I'll go to New York. New I York. I, I haven't Park. thought. I, I haven't. I haven't thought much about it. I'll, I'll determine after these playoff games. That's when I'll kind of really well, look. Well, at I
1: it. hadn't thought much about it either, buddy. You can put me on the spot.
0: I know that's 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 my job <laughs> as the host of the show though is to put you on the spot.
1: Right. I'll say I say KC beats Portland in the final. In one hell of a final, and uh, Graham Zusi with the winner. Wow, that's pretty. That's very. I think specific. honestly, no. But you know what? I, here's the thing, though. We should we should really do our predictions after the wild card.
0: Yeah, well, no, we'll do it after the wild card. I mean, here, fine. You want a prediction for me? I, I, here's my prediction: New York plays Portland, scoreless, goes into PKs. Ninth PK comes up, Robles comes up and, and, and scores. That's my prediction right there. All
1: right, if he's healthy, I <laughs>
0: yeah, won't happen. All right, was so That wraps up the show, man. Uh, I need to let you go. I need to get going. We need to get back to uh, our, our other other lives, Ivis, that don't revolve around the SBI show. I will talk to you later this week and uh, enjoy the uh, playoff games. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support, comments, and everything you do for us. This is the SBI show.